Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number eight in Resurrection Realities, Decoding the Mystery of Life. Now, this session is going to go more into actually decoding the mystery or decoding the light, if you will, than any of the others. I know I mentioned it back in some of the earlier messages, but we're going to cover it pretty well. And I got good news for you. If you purchase the uh, CDs or the uh, downloadable version, I'm going to actually record one more downloadable audio message for this because I just did not get everything uh, in the series that I wanted to get in there. I want this to be as beneficial as, as I can make it for you. So today, again, we're talking about decoding the mystery. This is message number eight. Now, when I was doing my uh, undergraduate work in theology, it was, it was just such an interesting time in my life because, you know, I mean, I, I, from the time I got born again, I've always read the Bible. I've always had a prayer life and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's an exciting thing when you're doing this with other people and you're under pressure. You know, there's a lot of pressure in Bible in Bible college because, uh, you know, my first child was born in Bible college. I was taking a double two, you know, double full load. I, I went to school. I took classes every morning. I took classes every evening. And then every Saturday, I took correspondence classes because I knew in my heart that I had a certain amount of time that I had to get through this. And, uh, and I had to be ready for when God opened the door to where I was going next. So I didn't lollygag around, but it made it tough financially. Uh, it made it tough physically. And so, so I knew that the only solution for surviving those kinds of stresses, those types of financial stresses um, and work stresses, I knew that I just really had to stay connected with God because I, I couldn't figure it all out. I couldn't finagle enough. I couldn't put together enough. I couldn't plan enough to make all the pieces fit together financially, spiritually, relationally, and otherwise. And so I had some incredible, incredible experiences with God. Now, I remember uh, there was a time when just in my prayer life, and keep in mind, I've shared this with you before, I always do what I call meditative prayer. And very specifically, I do meditative prayer you, you know, with my Bible open. That's one of the many ways. There's a lot of other ways to do meditative prayer, but one of the most powerful ways for me has always been to keep my Bible open. And I would open my Bible every day when I begin to read. It was always like, okay, Lord, you know, I'm surrendering myself to you. And as I go through this, I want you to show me what I need. I want you to show me what I need to put in practice. I want you to speak to me. I want you to lead and guide me from your word. Well, that's really the primary way the Holy Spirit leads us. It's, uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't just lead us detached from or separate from the Word of God. And so uh, one morning I was reading in the Psalms, and, and actually I had gone through some great experiences with God. You know, I had faced some incredibly difficult situations and, you know, followed God, follow how he was leading me and how he was using his word to lead me. And I came out on top pretty much every time. And uh, it just, you know, 
I was just pretty much unbeatable, if you, if you really want to know the truth. But it wasn't because of me. It wasn't because of how smart I was. It wasn't because of my great wisdom or diplomacy or anything like that. I've just listened when I would read the Bible. What are you saying to me? And every time I read the Bible, God would show me some way to apply whatever it was that I was reading. And so I got invited to preach and in the main services, which is pretty much unheard of for a Bible school student. We were, we were a big church, had about 1,500 people, uh, 1,500, 2,000 people that were active in our local church. We were one of the most influential, charismatic churches in the nation back in the back in the 70s. And so it was a rare thing that a Bible school student would ever, ever get invited to preach in this pulpit. I was one of only about uh, maybe four in in period of 10 years. And so I'm I'm seeking God. I'm seeking God about what, you know, what what I sense that he's wanting me to preach. Well, I came to this verse in the Psalms uh, where it says, in your light, we have light. And, you know, when you first read that academically, you just kind of like, well, that's a little redundant. What, what are you talking about? In, in your light, we have light. Well, something I began to see because I just, I just sat on that verse. I meditated on it. I didn't try to figure it out. And, you know, meditating on a verse is never trying to figure it out. Meditating on a verse is, is saying, okay, if I was experiencing this right now, what would it look like? What would it feel like? And so, so I'm always trying to bring the scripture into the right now and me actually experience something from God in that scripture. And I can't go into to explaining it because, you know, these things that God shows us, even though we fully understand them and we will have an incredible transformational experience, uh, we can't intellectually explain it to anybody in a way that they fully understand. We can explain it in a way that might inspire them to seek this out for themselves. And if they seek it out with God for themselves, they will have that kind of experience and they will have, they will know and understand what it is and what it means and what it's like, but they can't explain it to anybody else in a way that a person can take what you teach them. Because the, one, of the, one of the things of the new covenant is uh, no more shall every man teach his neighbor to know the Lord forever. Every man shall know the Lord, you know, from the least to the greatest. And so the concept of the new covenant is nobody teaches you how to know or to experience God. Nobody can. You are the only one that can do that for yourselves. And you got to remember that preachers who try to, who try to get other people to experience what they have experienced usually end up preaching the worst messages that they've ever preached. They don't make sense. People can't connect to them. And I've done that, man. I, I have had something so clear in my heart that, that I knew exactly, you know, what it was, but I can never explain it in a way that another person could grasp what it was or experience what it was that I had experienced from scripture. And that, that, that's just because we can only know, we can only experience God for ourselves. Nobody else can teach us how to experience God. And so as I was preparing for the message that I was going to preach, uh, the continuing experience and the continuing reality that I experienced was this, is that transformation is something that happens when you are in God's presence, when you are connected to God for yourself. And this was really back about 1976, probably, uh, 1976, 1977, maybe. 
Uh, this is where I started realizing that transformation is effortless. And uh, because, you know, you labor to enter into us. There is a laboring where you study the scripture, where, you know, where you meditate on the scripture to establish your heart. But at the end of the day, there is a place where you cease from your own labors. And when you cease from your own labors, you connect intimately and personally. Remember, how many times in this series have we talked about how that, that Jesus was the life? So that means if he is the light personally, then we have to connect with him personally in order to experience the light. The life produces the light, but the light can, is, can never provide you enough information to actually have a life transformational experience. And so, so this whole journey that I have been on with heart physics and all these tools that I have developed uh, really this was a major step in it. Now I had been doing this in my own private life from the time I got born again until this period of time that I'm talking about, but I'm telling you something totally transformed in me. Now, remember with light, there's light always helps you see, helps you understand something with your heart. But if you stop there and don't connect to God in an intimate way, where you are opening yourself wide up, you're willing to deal with anything, you're willing to put off anything, you're willing to look at any belief, you're willing to address anything, and then ultimately you surrendering to him as your Lord, where you experience something that you could have never, ever, ever made happen for you yourself. You know, when I think about in your presence, or in your presence, we have light, uh, uh, or in your light, we have light. You know, this is where I start thinking about encoding and decoding. And encoding and decoding are words that greatly lack what I fully want to say, but I do not want to get into all the all of the subtle uh, aspects of, of, of words that are very similar to these that would create confusion. By encoding, I am just saying there is something programmed into many things. There's I believe that when we are in the presence of God, there is something encoded in the light, encoded in the way understanding comes to us. It comes to us more like a download. And when, and when we connect with that in our heart, then we have that life exchange. We have that life experience where what God has placed in us at the new birth suddenly becomes activated. And by the way, you know, in the book of Philemon, first chapter, uh, the sixth verse, it talks about that when we experience God, that it actually activates our faith. Suddenly something comes alive that has been kind of dormant inside of us, and we experience these transformations. Now, this is why understanding the difference between light and life is so crucial, and an understanding that if we ever, ever, ever uh switch light and life, we will, we will find ourselves in that mode where we're trying to connect, collect enough information to change by the information, and it never comes. It never happens. God does not give you grace for information. Uh, God gives you grace for faith, and, and faith is where you believe something in your heart, not in your mind, not in your intellect. You believe it in your heart, which means it alters your identity. And this is what happens when we experience this, this exchange with God. 
we are we are in his light and the light of his presence. And in that light, we start seeing, perceiving, and understanding things that always seemed impossible to us. That, 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 but because that light of his presence, not the light of just mere information. I mean, there is an exchange of information, but that light of his presence, that light that is, that is, is in the truth that is, that is transmitted to us, it actually, actually, when we believe it in our heart, there is a transformation that takes place that you cannot get any other way. You know, first, first John 1, 5 through 7 says, this is a message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness. And one of the things that's really important is you've got to be able to know whether or not you are in the light or not. And so, and so one of the things about walking in the, how do you know you're walking in the light versus walking in the darkness? Number one, there is no darkness in God. There's no death. There's no sin. There's no corruption. There's no deceit. There's nothing uh, unreliable. There, there's nothing untrue. And so, and so if we are walking in the light, one of the ways we know we're walking in the light is the fruit that is produced in our life. You know, right now we've got an entire, what I call a fake grace movement where they talk about grace, but they use the wrong definitions. They don't use the biblical definitions of grace. They redefine grace as mercy. And so in this movement, sin doesn't matter. So, you know, if you, if you, if you want to commit adultery, if you want to be a homosexual, if you want to be a liar, if you want to be greedy or whatever, I'm not saying you can't be saved, but I'm telling you this, if that's the fruit of what you are believing, you are not in the light. You are not actually experiencing the light of God that make, causes you to see God as he is and and makes it possible for you to harmonize with God and be empowered to harmonize with God. So if you're walking in the light, then your life looks more and more like the life of Jesus. The way you treat people looks more and more and more like Jesus treated people, or even like the commandments told us to treat people because they're the basis of understanding love. So it says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You notice that, again, I don't know that this is like the difference between uh, just being saved or being saved and entering into the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, there's a whole list of things that the Bible says. If you participate in these things, you cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. And so it doesn't say you can't go to heaven. The kingdom of heaven is not talking about going to heaven after you die. I don't, you know, I don't know. you got to sort that out for yourself. But I'm telling you this, whenever our life is filled with corruption, we are deceiving ourselves, and we are not in fellowship with him. Remember the word fellowship is the, comes from the Greek word koinonia, which to share means to share uh, two people to share something that only belongs to one of them. So I'm not sharing in the resurrection life of Jesus, because the resurrection life of Jesus is a life that is raised up into righteousness. I'm not sharing in the life of Jesus if I, if I am walking in sin. And so and so, so he finally gets down. And I like the fact that he uses the word, you know, you're lying and you do not practice the truth. This is not what you're putting in practice. This is not the fruit that's growing into your life. So, so you have to own the fact that if you are not, if you are not moving toward godliness, if you're not moving toward walking in love and kindness, I'm not talking about carnal love. I'm not talking about any kind of corrupt love. I'm talking about love as God defines it. 
And, you know, here's an interesting thing about love as God defines it. You don't want to commit immorality or sin with somebody that you actually care about because you don't want to take them down in the pits of destruction with you. You don't want to destroy their life and your life. So it's never walking in love because you compromise your morals and, and values and ethics with somebody else and say that you do it because you love them. No, you don't. You're using them. You're trying to get, you're trying to gratify the lust of your flesh in, in some way. So he says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with Jesus. We will wrap ourselves around him. We will become one with him. And then the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all sin. Now, many people will take this passage scripture and they will say, well, since Jesus has already died, first, why does the blood have to cleanse us? Well, remember that the Bible talks a lot about the blood cleansing our conscience. And, and, when, and when our conscience is cleansed, then we free ourselves from this torment that, that prevents us from participating in the kingdom of heaven, that prevents us from enjoying life, prevents us from having righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But it cleanses us also, in the Greek language here, it talks about the fact that it cleanses us from the root of sin. And that root of sin is always uh, unbelief. That's, that's where it all comes from. And so when, when we fellowship with him and become one with him, and when we are walking in the light in the same way that he does, then we can, we can move into his, into his presence. And we can have that experience of transformation that is, that is just beyond anything that can be explained or that can be understood. Now, uh, and, and Matthew, matter of fact, you know, let me just jump here down here to another scripture. Uh, uh, you know, the Bible tells us, in fact, that um, uh, when, it, when it talks about light and when it talks about darkness and talks about walking in the light versus walking in the darkness, a lot of that has to do with how you perceive God. Your sense of light and darkness is all rooted in how you perceive God, how you, you know, uh, when you think about what the characteristics of God are. And so in Matthew 6, 22, it says the lamp of the body is the eye. And um, uh, this is making a reference to what is commonly in the Greek language referring to the apple of the eye. And it, it, can, it can be figurative or it can be literal. It can be talking about perception. It can talk, be, be talking about the eyes of the heart or the eyes of the mind. But it all comes down to perception. So the lamp of the body is going to be my perception. And what is it talking about in my perception? Well, it's talking about my perception of God more than anything else. But it says, so it says, if therefore your eye is good, now, that word good means, means open, and it's not clouded by any other ulterior motive. So, like, if you're looking at God with, uh, with an ulterior motive, you won't see him as he is. You see what you want to see. And so, when you're looking at God and you're looking for an ulterior motive to come up with how you can justify your sin or how you can say it's not going to affect you or how it's really love or something like that, then the problem is your eye is bad. Your eye is corrupt. Your eye is infected. And it says, if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light 
that is in you is, is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, what happens when we begin to wander away from the truth? And, the, you know, the book of Peter tells us that all of the corruption that is in the world is there because of the lust of the flesh. There would be no corruption in the world if it weren't for the lust of the flesh. Well, in reality, it's not just the lust of the flesh. It's how we set out to fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so people who don't believe that God's a good God, who don't believe that there is a way within biblical bounds to fulfill the desires, the natural desires of the body, uh, or to have natural self-worth, they will move to something corrupt that that is a fulfillment of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. It is all something that corrupts you, that deceives you, and, and uses your desires to deceive you. Now, in the Hebrew, it's a really interesting concept that, that the word hear and obey are pretty much synonymous uh, in the Hebrew language. And so the idea behind the words hear and obey means that anything that you are not willing to obey, you will not be able to hear, even though God's trying to lead you, trying to speak to you. And, but, but you're afraid that he's going to be bad. You're afraid he's a bad God. And, and you know what, here's what's amazing. These people who are look, you know, who are kind of got this strange concept of grace and this strange concept of love, if they actually believed God was good, they wouldn't, they wouldn't twist the word of God. They would seek to understand the word of God. They would seek, to, they would seek God to understand how to put this in, into practice. But when you have to twist the word of God and the application of the word of God uh, to get what you want, then no matter what you say, you're not in faith and you're certainly, certainly, certainly not in God. And so God will always try to lead you. He'll always try to rescue. He'll always try to lead you down a path of righteousness. And God doesn't walk any other path than righteousness. And righteousness is where you're primarily where you are seeking to harmonize yourself with him. It's pretty, pretty simple. There's nothing really complicated about it. You're going to walk in the truth. You're going to walk, walk in love. You're going to walk in kindness. You're going to manifest the character and nature of God. Now, but if you are not willing, to do something that could save your life because, because it doesn't fit your definition, you're afraid it will keep you from filling the lust of your flesh, then the problem is you will block that out of your heart. And, you know, we, we know that just with the mind, we block almost 4,900 bits of information per second uh, from our eyes because it's stuff we don't want to see. And so, so I can't even imagine how much we block out, and I'm not even sure how this works, but it blocks out before we have any conscious awareness that, is, that, we're, that God's speaking to us or that God is trying to lead us. But we're blocking it out because we have, we have kind of set our receiver and say, no, I don't want to hear anything about righteous living. No, I don't want to hear anything about godliness. No, I don't want to hear anything about obedience. That's all legalism. I don't want to hear it. So once you kind of set your heart in that direction, I got news for you. You're not going to hear anything that God is trying to say to you. Now in John 3, 19, it's talking about Jesus, talking about him coming in, into the earth. And he says this, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. 
So people who are committed to ungodliness on, on any kind of level, um, they have a predisposition to move toward darkness and to move away from the light. Because, you know, when you start looking at the whole, this whole concept of light, you start realizing light is where things come out in the open. Light is where you actually open yourself up and own your sins. Light is where you admit that it is what it is. But a person who loves evil, but, but particularly wants to have the appearance of being a good person or a godly person or a moral person, that person is always going to be moving in the darkness. And then it goes on to say, for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest their deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. So something, something you have to realize is this. Uh, you know, we talked about this in our Ultimate Impact Group, which is, my, which is my personal coaching group, which you can check into on our website if you're interested in it. We start a new, uh, we start a new life transformation program about every so two months or three months. And so just check it out. And if you're interested in participating, you can get your information there. But, you know, we've been talking about the lust of the flesh or the works of, of the flesh. And, um, you know, we've talked a lot about the fact that there would be no evil in the world whatsoever if it were not for the fact that we have these desires that we do not believe God is good enough to fulfill. And so, so we start moving toward darkness. We start moving toward ungodly ways to, to fulfill these desires. Because in fact, these, these desires are more important to us uh, than transformation. And transformation, transformation is not where you become something you're not. Transformation is where you, where you begin to step into who you really are. See, if you're born again, the spirit of God's inside you. If you're born again, uh, you don't need to become something. You don't need to force something. You don't need to make something happen. You just simply need to believe the truth in your heart. So when it gets to when it gets to encoding and decoding, and there there is so much more that I, I can't go into fully here. Like I said, I'm gonna put a bonus message uh, in for those of you who get the series on resurrection realities. And uh, because I'm telling you, I want you to understand this. But here's going to be the problem: no matter what you understand about decoding and encoding, doesn't mean anything. What matters is what you put into practice. You know, when I think about the sunlight, I think about the fact that sunlight shines down on plants and it goes through the uh, process of photosynthesis, produces chlorophyll. And, and, and so there's something that happens that, you know, it's not, it's not as simple as just the light shined on the plant. It's like, what were the elements in the plant and what were the elements in the light that brought about this, this transformation? And same way in the human body, you know, when the light shines on our human body, you've got people all the time saying, put on sun sunscreen, put on sunscreen, put on sunscreen. Oh, really? Uh, anyhow, I'm not going to go into all that, uh, but I'm telling you this, you need the sun. It's part of being healthy. Getting out into the sun causes you, it causes the sunlight, shines onto your skin. There's a transformation that happens 
where you produce vitamin D3. And if you're, I mean, vitamin D, and if your vitamin D was high enough, you couldn't get COVID. It'd be your, it'd be the best thing that can happen to you. But, but you know, what do the people who are killing us tell us do? They tell us to go hide inside in the dark and da 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 da. But here, here's the deal. Just like that happens with life in God's present, that presence, there's a reality, there is a light that, that because we're with him, not just because we have the light, not just because we're getting the information, because we are with him, that we go through this transformation and we become like the God we see and believe in. All right, guys, listen, I appreciate you being with me and I will be talking to you again really, really soon. But know this, you're going to become like the God you believe in and you're going, that's going to happen when you spend time with him. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.